0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker and you are listening to episode 122 of the podcast. Today is Sunday, January 6th, first episode of 2019. Happy fucking New Year, everybody out there. And Happy New Year to my co-host all the way from New Jersey with a fresh New Year's haircut, Jeff the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you feeling on this Sunday evening, my friend, a little bit Uh, later than we're used to doing this how you feeling today
1: good bill happy new year and it is totally my fault that we're on late i had to babysit my niece and nephews and then i had to grade a bunch of essays that weren't well written in any way shape or form so bill let's jump right into the mma man
0: yeah while you were babysitting i was doing yard work and and putting some beers back so uh this could end up being a very interesting show as uh (laughs) all the all the sun exposure and the alcohol starts to hit me as we get into this. But, uh, you know, pretty, pretty laid back week as far as MMA goes. Not a whole lot going on. We had PFL and Ryzen last week that we didn't get to talk about on last week's episode. I know you saw Ryzen, I saw PFL. Um, so maybe we could do a quick download of those two cards. Um, I did see the Floyd Mayweather show. I don't want to call it a fight um exhibition uh p- pro wrestling uh, i don't even know what to call it but i i did see that let's start with rising jeff give me the quick download uh w- what should i be going back to check out from that card as far as um the fights that weren't fixed yeah bill um This card was actually a lot
1: of fun for the parts that I was awake for. Obviously, here on the East Coast, um, I think it was about 6.30 a.m. when they announced their second intermission before the two title fights. And I don't think Floyd Mayweather had even shown up to the arena at this point during the card. So, Bill, I ended up falling asleep for that, but then I went and checked out the replay. Um, Fights to check out. Uh, Let's see... Um, Damian Brown versus Darren Crookshank was a really, really good fight. It, uh, Darren Crookshank did a good job of imposing his wrestling, but Damian Brown just, uh, using slick jujitsu and basically tired Darren Crookshank out. Mm-hmm. Um, this fight was short. It was, it was definitely good though. A lot of these fights were fun. Um, I might butcher this name cause Yuki Miyata versus Ursin Yamamoto. Also a really good fight. Um, Johnny Case had a good fight against Yusuke Yaki. Uh, for how long it went, that one ended in a TKO. Um, Justin Scoggins or Scoggins, uh, was in here. Yeah, he got his he, ass whipped, right? Yeah, yeah, he got annihilated. Um, yeah, there are a lot of finishes on this one. Uh, also, one I wanted to really point out was Justina Haba making her debut against Shinju Nazawa O'Claire, who I believe uh, trains under Gilbert Melendez. Uh, really, really good submission uh, match in this one. Uh, Is that and it was like a, real- a,
0: a Japanese first name and an Irish last name there? Yeah, yeah,
1: something like that.
0: Yeah, I guess there's a lot of that going on. I, I don't know if you remember me telling you the... Uh, The story of the Irish pub uh, owner in Osaka when I went and and partied in Japan. I guess that's like a common thing. I asked him if he spoke Japanese. He's like, yeah, I'm fluent as fuck. He never never spoke spoke any Japanese the whole night I was talking to him. In any case, yeah, it sounds like some good fights. You know, Darren Crookshank was... uh, in the UFC for a while. Of course, he's been a staple on those rising cards. They like him over there. Um, I imagine they'll have him back, uh, you know, even in facing a loss. Uh, Was there anything else on there worth checking out? Um yeah, I did Gabby Garcia was on here
1: and then uh the grand at the end of her fight, the grandma that she fought that one time like came <laughs> into the ring and it was looking to fight someone who was like three
0: feet taller than her. It was the funniest thing, dude. Uh you could go check that out. But um yeah, the Gabby uh, Garcia stuff, like she's just a spectacle. <laughs> For those who don't know, Gabby Garcia is like eight feet tall and she fights little old ladies in Japan. Um, she's like, oh man, I don't even know how to describe her. She's like twice the size of Cyborg, probably. Um, uh, just a massive woman. She looks like if she went into the WWE, like she would have to immediately be the champion because she's just humongous. I mean, she's got to be close to, she's got to be well over 200 pounds, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think she easily makes like two tw- I think she actually weighed in at
1: like two twenty six. Her opponent weighed in at two oh four, dude. Um and I forgot that in uh that they use kilograms over there, so they're allowed to fight each other, but that shit would not fly in the US, Bill.
0: Yeah. So I guess let's talk about the main event. I um I actually did hear uh, from very credible sources that Floyd was in the arena. So whatever that intermission was about, they were trying to, I guess, build tension or something. Um, no pun intended since tension was who he, who he was uh, <laughs> fighting. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what that was all about. So the backstory to this was Floyd Mayweather agreed to an exhibition with this guy tension, who is, uh, A kickboxing phenom over in Japan. I think he's like 95 and five as a kickboxer or something insane like that. He, he definitely has like upwards of a hundred professional fights. He's got a handful of mixed martial arts fights as well. So, uh, Floyd starts marketing the fact that he signed a fight with this kid and, uh, you know, kind of alluded that it may be a mixed martial arts exhibition. And then, you know, people started Googling who tension is and he has a crazy highlight reel out there. If you're interested, just, you know, put tension T E N S H I N, I believe into YouTube. And, uh, you'll, you'll see some of his highlight reels the, the kid is, is a phenomenal fighter to watch. Um, very skilled, uh, very acrobatic kickboxing, uh, displays. So, then, then it turned out it was going to be only boxing rules. And then it was going to be an exhibition. And then Floyd pulled out because he thought it was going to be an exhibition. And apparently the promoters, uh, you know, there was like a language thing where they were like, Oh no, here exhibition means like a spectacle. Uh, whereas in America exhibition means like a scrimmage or a sparring or something like that. So, uh, at the end of the day, uh, it came down to being a three round three three minute rounds of sparring is what it was supposed to be. And it was the main event of Ryzen nine, was this? Uh 14, actually. Uh close enough. Um <laughs> uh so Ryzen 14, the main event is gonna be three three minute rounds between Tension and his his last name is escaping me, Jeff. Do you have it in front of you? Uh Naskawa, I believe it is. All right, tension Naskawa and Floyd Mayweather Jr. Um so it, the whole thing was like kind of kind of funny from the beginning, uh, just because of the way it came about. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, it's definitely happening, but it's just, it's just an exhibition. It's just, all right. So I won't even entertain an argument that this fight was not fake. And it kind of troubles me that I've seen some very reputable people and even fighters out there talking about this fight as if it was an actual fight. Uh, Tension 100% took a dive. This was absolutely a work. Um, and and a, a lot of the arguments I've seen were that it doesn't make sense for Tension to take a dive because if there was going to be a dive in this fight, it would make sense for Floyd, the older fighter, to take a dive to put over, so to speak, to use pro wrestling terms, the young up-and-coming kid and help out Uh, you know, the the rise in organization. Uh, And I'll debunk that right now. Uh, That definitely doesn't make sense because um, when when you say you want to have the older fighter put over the younger fighter, you're talking about American marketing. And that is just not the case in Japan. In Japan, they like a spectacle. They like a show. And they have a deeper understanding of martial arts than we do here. So even when something is a work and they know it's a work, and when I say it's a work I mean it's fake it's staged like pro wrestling um they still have a deep respect for tension whereas here in America if it, if that same show were to happen here in like Las Vegas or California or something obviously Floyd would be getting over on the young up-and-coming kid and that wouldn't make sense but in the Japanese culture uh this does make sense now if you watch the fight uh you know Floyd throws a hook and which would normally send a person flying to their left and he flew straight back. Um the, the last time he fell, the the third and final time he fell, it was just way over exaggerated. Um and, and even the crying um uh, from tension after the fact. Um I'm really disappointed to see some from very reputable people Uh, online within the MMA and and boxing community actually talk about this as if it were a real fight. I don't know why. I don't know what the angle is. I don't know what they have to gain from this being a real fight that he actually knocked this kid out in under a minute. And then, you know, a whole bunch of nonsense spewing from that, like, well, how good does Conor McGregor look being that he lasted, uh, you know, nine or 10 rounds with Floyd and this kid couldn't get out of the first round. Um, just, uh, a, a bunch of nonsense, but people are talking about it, which is exactly why it, it makes sense, um, to have this fight be staged. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what was your reaction to this whole, uh, debacle, Jeff? It, it didn't really affect me one way or the other. I just wanted to comment on, on, you know, what everybody had been saying about it.
1: Yeah, Bill. I mean, yeah, it looked really fake. Uh, like every time that, uh, Naskawa got hit, he like flew to the ground dude um i'll be honest with you i really don't care um floyd mayweather went in there like 12 pounds heavier than this kid um i mean it doesn't really matter to me it's not like it was for anything they weren't fighting for a belt uh they weren't even fighting for for their own records or anything
0: yeah they weren't even fighting just an exhibition so it doesn't make a difference one way or the other whether it was staged or not but um you know it was it had taken over the the combat sports conversation you know largely for the past week and a half or so
1: yeah and maybe that's all it was maybe that's all Ryzen was looking to do and if it is I mean it worked it had me watching I wouldn't have watched it otherwise um Uh because dude I was up until like like I said, 6 7 AM uh, waiting f- to watch Floyd Mayweather fight. Um, but yeah, if that's all that this fight was meant to do, it worked.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and which also debunks the argument that it doesn't make sense for Floyd to go over on the young kid because, you know, people are posting like these lengthy breakdowns and like, Oh, this was clearly real. Like, look, he, f- you could see that he connects here with the hook and, uh, Who cares Uh, (laughs) at at the end of the day? I, I don't, but I felt like we needed to address it just because it's something that's going on in the community and people are talking about it. So uh, there's my take on this fake end of story. And if you think otherwise, you know, I I hope the Easter bunny brings you some good candy this year. Um, (laughs) So uh, let's move on to something real and that's real cash that was awarded to six people who probably nobody has ever heard of. Uh, so the PFL had their end of the year extravaganza. We've been promoting the PFL uh, throughout this past season, let's call it. Um, you know, they had tournaments in six different weight classes and they have six winners uh, from New Year's Eve at Madison Square Garden, which it was actually the theater of Madison Square Garden. I don't know. For those listening, if you've never been to Madison Square Garden, there's basically two sections. There's Madison Square Garden where like the Rangers and the Knicks play, and they have concerts and everything like that. And then there's also a small theater that holds, um, I want to say maybe twenty five hundred people. I don't know. Do you do you know, Jeff? Does that sound about right? Um, well, I,
1: I I was actually there for the Wayans of um DC versus Derek Lewis. Um, I want to say it probably holds like
0: three to 4,000 look pretty big from where I was sitting. Okay. So, but still, you know, for like a big Mark mixed martial arts promotion, not, not a huge venue. You know, this is where you would see like, um, maybe like a Friday night fights, Muay Thai or a kickboxing fight. Not like, like the UFC definitely wouldn't, wouldn't fit in that theater. That's probably where they do. Like you said, their weigh-ins and stuff like that. Um, New Year's Eve, not a good night to hold a live sporting event. Uh, I feel like this was the first miss by the PFL. And I-, I feel like they had a couple of misses here because they gave out six million dollars in prizes for this tournament. You know, and that's that's just the prize money. that That doesn't account for their overhead throughout this whole season and paying the the fighters their show money which was not very much even the big name fighters did not make very much throughout this season uh my point being they they spent a lot of cash here and they had some big name sponsors uh you know proper 12 was actually sponsoring uh this this finale so you have uh six winners here and i know you didn't didn't catch the fights jeff so i'll I'll just give you a quick uh recap here so in the main event magomed magomed karamov uh, defeats Ray Cooper the third, uh who they were putting a lot of promotion behind Ray Cooper. I think they were really banking on him winning this whole thing since he knocked out Jake Shields twice and he was the biggest name uh in this tournament. And then Felipe Linz uh with a round four knockout of Josh Copeland. He wins a million dollars. Sean O'Connell, Dr. Stoppage of Vinny Magalese, um, you know, ultimate fighter winner, Vinny Magalese. Uh then you had uh Nathan Schult um with a decision winning a million dollars. Uh any of these names ringing a bell yet, Jeff? <laughs> we have- yeah, yeah. Actually, I remember
1: Vinny Magalheas who uh lost for the light heavyweight championship. I actually had him as the, the favorite going into that fight because dude, he was tearing up everybody in this light heavyweight division. I really didn't give Sean
0: O'Connell a chance, man. But um uh, he went in there and proved he's he's got some tough stuff, man. Yeah, I think Sean O'Connell was actually an underdog in every single fight uh, throughout this tournament. He he's a tough guy, and he actually uh, retired. And this this is um another miss with the PFL. Like all these hungry fighters, if they go through and win this tournament, they win a million dollars. That's more money than any of them ever seen in their lives. Uh, What's the motivation to continue fighting? So now you have Sean O'Connell. He's just one out of six that has officially announced his retirement. I can't tell you if any of the others have, uh, Lance Palmer and Lewis Taylor. If you were wondering where, are the last two of the six, um, who, who won a million dollars now, um, for the fighters, they'll probably walk away with 450 to $500,000 at the end of this, after taxes, after paying their corners, after, you know, everything else that they have to Um, go through which you know, still a great amount of money for uh, you know, fighters that not a lot of people have heard of. Uh, it was an entertaining card, the fights were good. Here's the third miss you had six title fights on one card, which means potentially six fights that are going 25 minutes. Uh, this is not something that's entertaining to the masses. You got to spread that out a little bit or just make the title fights three rounds. Um, there's nothing written anywhere that says. A title fight has to be five rounds. They they lucked out that there were, uh, you know, quite a few finishes on this card, uh, including the bonus match between uh, Olympic gold medalist Kayla Harrison and uh, you know whoever she beat the fuck out of. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so a, a couple of misses for the PFL. You know, it was a bad night. New Year's Eve, not a lot of people watching. They're in a small venue. They're giving out a million dollars each to these fighters that nobody has heard of. But here's uh I, I've been thinking about this from you know, I, I always have that marketing side in my brain, Jeff. Uh, how are they gonna get a return on this investment? And here's how you have a lot of free agent fighters out there or fighters that are nearing the ends of their contracts with the UFC and Bellator, and they're looking at the fighters who won. This million dollars this year, and the PFL has already announced they're gonna do a second season of this. So these fighters are looking at uh, you know, the Sean O'Connell's and the Nathan Schultz and the Lance Palmers and saying, like, I could definitely beat that guy. Why would I continue fighting uh in the UFC, you know, with twenty thousand to show, twenty thousand to win, uh, when I can go over to the PFL and by the end of the year, I'll win a million dollars. Uh, so it'll be interesting when the PFL announces their lineup for, uh, the coming year. Uh, and, and that may be where they start to get a little bit of a return on their investment, but they're in a pretty deep hole, Jeff, you know, uh, $6 million just in prizes. And then whatever their overhead is, um, I, I imagine it's not small because the production value has been good. They have some big names on the commentary staff, you know, they got Randy Couture, they got, um, Eve Edwards over there. They got, uh, believe boss rooting. Uh, you know, they're not, uh, they weren't lowballing when it came to production and announcers and stuff like that. Um, I I know I just went on a pretty long rant here, but, uh, give me your thoughts on, I know you didn't see the fights, but give me your thoughts on the conclusion and, um, the format and the future of the PFL, Jeff.
1: Yeah, dude, it's interesting, man. um, Here we have six new champions, and then who do you stack them up against? How do you go about making those cards? I mean, is it all, like, is the the PFL's next card going to be all tournament fights? Are you going to, like, shuffle in um, Lance Palmer, defend his belt in there somewhere? Um, It's a little clunky at the moment. Um, but I am fascinated to see how this is going to work, because like you said, um, I, I'd i like to see how they're going to make a return on their investment, because this is a lot of money that they're just shelling out here um, for, like you said, guys that unfortunately aren't as noted um, as some of these UFC guys. I mean, this guy, uh, Lance, uh, hold on, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Lance Palmer, or like Felipe Linz, uh, is the current heavyweight champion but Stepe Miosic who is no longer a heavyweight champion probably makes more than him on a regular fight card you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's it's a little it's interesting um but like I said, I'm a fan of this format. Uh, I think that having all these title fights on new year's Eve is not the best idea. Maybe the night before or like that Saturday before would have been a really good time for it. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, I'm, I'm a fan and I'm curious to see how they're going to make this work.
0: Yeah, for sure. One thing that was interesting, the only non-title fight on the card, Kayla Harrison against Moriel Charneski. Um, she just beat the brakes off of this poor girl. Um, so Kayla Harrison, obviously two time Olympic gold medalist in judo. Uh, and they've really been putting a lot of promotion behind her. They've, you know, put three girls in front of her this year and she's kind of just, you know, beaten them all up. Um, you know, some people criticize the, the fact that she wasn't able to get finishes that quickly in her early fights, um, because she had so much, um, promotion behind her, but, uh, I, I feel like that's just because she was trying to get cage time in there. Um, and they're going to do a women's lightweight tournament in the upcoming year. So 155 pounds, I'm wondering where they're going to find women to fill those slots. Um, you know, even the UFC has trouble finding women at 145 pounds, uh, to fight that, that division is fairly empty. Uh, and, and a lot of the buildup of Kayla Harrison was her eventually fighting Cyborg down the line. You know, it, if nobody had beaten Cyborg, you know, this was this was going to be uh, a big opportunity for maybe a cross-promotional thing or, or something down the line. But they were building up Kayla Harrison to be the person to challenge Cyborg. Now that Cyborg has been defeated, you know, that kind of goes out the window unless Cyborg leaves the UFC, which is very... Distinct possibility because what's going to happen with cyborg is they're not going to give her a rematch with Amanda Nunez because, uh, she's been kind of a pain in the ass for the UFC to deal with on the back end. Um, you know, that's been well documented and, uh, you know, it was a very one-sided victory for Amanda Nunez. So, uh, they don't have to give her a title shot immediately. They're going to put her on the bench and make her wait a long time, which is going to frustrate her and probably, cause her to ask to be released from the UFC, which they will probably make her wait even longer, uh, which is fucked up uh, for the UFC to do. But, you know, this is the business that that they're in. It's fight promotion. They don't want to just release her and send her off to another promotion while she's still essentially in her prime. So they're going to make her wait a little bit longer. So maybe the second season of the, the women's tournament, Uh, you may see cyborg heading over to the pfl and entering her career over there would be my guess um you know if i'm gonna play nostradamus here uh but you know all speculation on my part you know maybe cyborg will get another fight uh immediately i don't know who's gonna fight her maybe megan anderson um I, i don't really know any thoughts on on this jeff yeah, dude, I'm actually curious to see this
1: myself because Kayla Harrison has expressed that she does want to fight cyborgs somewhere down the line. And, you know, I it raises a bunch of questions. What do they fight in the PFL and the UFC? What do they fight at 145, 155? And I'm a little worried that the PFL might run into the same uh, cyborg situation here where they're going to have a hard time finding opponents for Kayla Harrison at that weight class. Um, you know, 155 that's a pretty big, uh, jump for some band weights and oh, you yeah. know, Kayla Harrison's huge dude. Um, you know, you just see her walk out. She's freaking jacked. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, but I would, like I said, I still want to see Kayla Harrison fight yeah. cyborg someday. Um, but yeah, I just feel bad for cyborg because like you said, she, she's, proven that she's a little bit difficult to work with at times i don't know whose fault that is but it's definitely going to be hard for for her you know if she's trying to find uh, a
0: way out of the ufc at this point yeah for sure i i think if there's a lot of people to blame you know it's the the fucked up tactics of the ufc that they use um to get behind certain fighters and to hold other fighters back which is just kind of part of it and then It's also partnering up with some probably shitty PR people and management. And then there's also like a language barrier. You know, her English is good, but, um, you know, there's still a lot lost in translation there um, from her native Portuguese. Uh, But yeah, uh, Kayla Harrison, very thickly muscled young lady. Um, You know, I would imagine 145 would probably be a stretch for her right now. Yeah. Um if she's t- if she's in the process of tapering down, you know, uh maybe down the line, maybe in a year or so after she gets used to the weight cutting and, you know, changes some things in her diet and, you know, maybe reduces some of the muscle mass. Um, but yeah, she is a, a big scary individual who can probably put any woman on the face of this earth on their back. Um, which makes the, the matchup with Cyborg very interesting. Even g- given everything that happened with Amanda Nunez, I would still love to see that fight in a perfect world. you know, I'd like to see Kella Harrison get maybe three, four, or five more fights under her belt, um, which, which kind of pushes us close to the end of Cyborg's career. Um, I believe she's mid-30s right now off the top of my head. Um, so I don't know how that timeline is going to work out. Maybe we'll never get to see it, but um it it would be pretty cool so uh speaking of speculating fights uh there's been a lot of not official announcements but you know some some fights that are being thrown out there and some people are getting annoyed and pissed off and and whatever else there's a lot of drama but you know there's not a lot of huge fights on the horizon for the UFC right now so they're trying to build up the pay-per-views for 2019 and a lot of it is marketing tactics by management and also by the UFC as a promotion as well. So, uh, Khabib's manager, Ali has come out and said that, uh, Khabib's next opponent, 100% will not be Tony Ferguson. And people are up in arms on social media saying, you know, Tony Ferguson deserves this and he's the number one contender. And Khabib said he would always fight the number one contender. Um, And and nobody realized that this is a, a marketing tactic where Ali is trying to make people beg for the fight, uh, and talk about the fight and do some of the promotional legwork. Um, and yeah, I guess that that's something that seems like common sense to me, like making the people beg for the fight, but then, you know, people who are, uh, members of the MMA media and, and community at large, uh, don't really get it, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's also been rumors circulating that maybe Dustin Poirier is going to get the fight, and Ali has been kind of hinting at that as well. It's basically going to be whoever makes the hardest push for it, and whoever uh, you know is going to be the biggest draw. I I, I think people, uh, it's been hinted that it'll be a rematch with Conor McGregor and Khabib, but I don't see that being the next fight. I think it's going to be either Tony or Or uh, Dustin Poirier. And, um, you know, they're they're playing the game to see, you know, they're testing the waters to see which is going to be the biggest fight. Uh, What intrigues you the most, Jeff?
1: So I'll be honest with you. I really want to see Habib either fight Tony Ferguson or Dustin Poirier. I think that either one of those guys deserved it. But that's the hardcore MMA fan in me, Bill. The the mma fan in me that wants the ufc to make money realizes that they that may not happen either of those fights may not happen it might be a rematch with uh conor mcgregor man um it's a marketable fight they've already got the history behind them um and ali abdelaziz you know he's a smart guy man um there's a reason that so many fighters want him as their agent Uh, I think he makes a lot. He helps these fighters make a lot of money for themselves. And, you know, he pockets some of it himself, I'm sure. Um, So it's going to be interesting. Um, I just don't want this 100 and um, what is it? 155 pound division to be held up. That's all I want is for it to not be held up. I want to hear of some fight news, you know, within the next couple months.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'll tell you what would be the best case scenario for the UFC Uh, financially Poirier or Ferguson comes in and knocks Khabib out. Connor sits on the bench for a little while. He just, um, you know, his girlfriend just gave birth to his, uh, second child. I think last week he sits on the bench for a little while, enjoys his family. Connor comes back and knocks out either Poirier or Ferguson, whoever beats Khabib. And then he holds the title again and then, uh, forces Khabib to take a fight against, you know, one or the other, um, Poirier or Ferguson, either a rematch or, or fight the one he didn't fight and then, um, work his way back to a rematch with Connor. That's the ideal situation for the UFC from a financial standpoint. Uh, and if 2019 played out that way, I think that's a perfect world scenario. Um, you know, if you collect your paychecks from the UFC, uh, I don't know the likelihood of that happening. But I know that, uh, you know, if you're a gambling person, that's what you want to bet on for the best case scenario. Um, uh, a couple of other matchups in the works. So Luke Rockhold announced that he's moving up to light heavyweight. He called out John Jones fairly awkwardly. Um, uh, you know, as Luke Rockhold does, I don't know that John Jones has responded, but there's also a rumor that John Jones is going to fight Anthony Smith. Um, which, is kind of lackluster as far as a, a pay-per-view draw. It seems like that's going to be the U- UFC 235 main event. Um, that's kind of what they're throwing out there now. Not a great response from it. I think the Rockhold fight holds a little bit more weight only because there's the drama there with him being DC's teammate. Uh, you know, Him and John Jones have had words in the past. Luke Rockhold by no stretch of the imagination deserves a title shot at 205 uh after getting knocked out in his last two fights at middleweight and then he's moving up 20 pounds to fight you know the best fighter on the planet makes no sense but i would love to see it i would love to see (laughs) 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 i would just love the awkward ass trash talk because let's face it john jones one of the worst all-time on the microphone luke rockhold one of the worst all-time on the microphone um they both take a backseat to Tito Ortiz, but you know, they're up there. Uh, you know, those, these, the bigger they get, the worse they are on the microphone. I feel like, or, or the smaller they get too. like the, there's no flyweights that are good at, at promoting fights. It's like the, the middle of the road weight classes <laughs> are the best at, at promoting fights. But, but, you know, this one has some personal drama, which is, is built in promotion. So whether it's the next fight or, excuse me, the fight after, uh, I think that has some legs. What, what do you want to see, Jeff? You want to see Anthony Smith get the shot? You think he's deserving or, um, Rockhold come out of left field and take on John Jones.
1: I'll be honest with you, Bill. I don't think Anthony Smith is ready for John Jones, man, as good as he is. I, I think John Jones is just too good. He's, he's too well-rounded. Anthony Smith does not, he, he doesn't understand what he's asking for. Bill,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: about <laughs> wanting to fight John Jones.
0: Yeah, I mean he's on a hot streak, but you know he knocked out Shogun, who you could argue is on his last legs. But then you know Shogun had a really impressive performance his last fight against Tyson Pedro, uh, and then he knocked out uh, Rashad Evans, who's definitely probably on his last legs. Um, and then he had trouble with Volkan Ozdemir on the feet, uh, and he had to resort to some shaky groundwork uh to get him out of there. Uh if you remember that, you know, it wasn't like a spectacular grappling display. It was like a oh shit, I better get this guy on the ground and and hope for the best. And uh, you know, it all worked out for him. Uh I personally would like to see Anthony Smith get one more fight at light heavyweight. Um, you know, because just in this past year he was knocked out at at middleweight by Tiago Santos as well. Um so maybe a rematch with him at light heavyweight would would be you know enough to prove that he's ready uh for this title shot. It, it, it's really hard because light heavyweight is such an empty division. You know, and um even the contenders that that are that are there like a Yan Blahovich, you, know, you know, nobody knows who that guy is um you know outside of like I'll call them the 15 percenters, um, (laughs) you know, the people who are like hardcore fans, but you know, that's not going to get a casual fan off the couch. Um, the good news for John Jones is that the last pay-per-view did about 900,000 pay-per-view buys, which, um, you know, for all the people who said they weren't going to pay for it, uh, because of all the turn of ball stuff, uh, that proved to be false because, uh, 900,000 buys pretty good for a John Jones Uh, pay per view, he's not a huge pay per view draw, he's he never has been except in his fights with Daniel Cormier, where he has built in drama because they genuinely don't like each other, which is why uh, Luke Rockhold would probably be the best choice for John Jones to fight next. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of drama with Anthony Smith, but it's not like marketable drama, it's just like them on Twitter, like, Hey, I want to fight you. Oh, yeah, I want to fight you too. Uh, (laughs) all right. Good luck selling that one to you know anybody off the street. But you know, you get you get pretty boy Luke Rockhold in there, like, hey, you knocked down my teammate. I don't like that. I'm <laughs> coming for you, princess. And then John Jones is like, Daddy's home. People are like, This is awkward as fuck. I can't wait to see these guys fight. <laughs> yeah dude as i think luke rockhold ironically is the only
1: matchup for john jones i mean yeah he, he hasn't fought at light heavyweight in the ufc but the drama alone um and like i said man anthony smith i don't know uh, he doesn't understand what he's asking for bill i thought gus was ready and he wasn't
0: <laughs> he's had
1: five years to train for this guy and he still wasn't ready
0: yeah oh, good but at the same time that could be the perfect storm too because you know I, I thought Cody Garbrandt wasn't ready for Dominic Cruz. You know, I thought Holly Holm wasn't ready for Ronda Rousey. I, you and I both don't think Anthony Smith is ready for John Jones. Maybe that's, that's the answer. Maybe he comes in there and uh, it, it's hard for me. I, I'm trying. Uh, I'm reaching here. <laughs> in any case, the other thing I'm reaching for, Jeff, I told you about this earlier this week, this beer. Uh, Boulevard Brewing Company. They're out of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, this this bottle just kind of caught my eye. I was at at Total Wine, which is uh you've been there when you came to visit Jeff. It's a big, uh, you know, beer, wine, and uh, liquor store here in, in the great state of Florida. Uh, so I was just walking up and down the the beer aisles, and and this bottle just jumped out at me. Plaid Habit. You know, I love a good pun, Jeff. Um, it's a uh, it's an imperial brown ale, and it's aged in Canadian whiskey barrels. And this beer comes in at a whopping 13.9% alcohol um, per volume, which is uh, a lot higher than I typically like my beers. I don't I don't really like a strong beer. You know, I'm not looking to drink one beer and be off my ass. Um, you know, I, if I'm going to drink beer, which I do fairly often, uh especially around the holidays um you know i like to have several and enjoy them uh, but this is just a really tasty beer jeff and it it really reminds me of the uh the dragon's milk that that you had told me about and, and we talked about the show a couple of weeks ago um so it, it's a brown ale which i don't typically go for brown ales either so I don't like brown ales and I don't like really strong beers, but this beer is really tasty. It's got kind of like a caramelly sweetness to it, but it's not overly sweet and it's so smooth. You can't tell that it's so high, uh, in, in the, um uh, in the alcohol rating and it's a limited release. I guess it's a seasonal, uh, so it might be pretty hard to get your hands on, but, You know, if you're a fan of brown ales and high alcohol beers, or even if you're not, uh, because I'm not, uh, I would suggest getting your hands on Plaid Habit by Boulevard. Um, And I'm drinking one right now. For those of you not watching on YouTube, I'm holding the bottle up here so you can see what it looks like. It's got some plaid on there and, you know, very basic looking bottle. But for whatever reason, it jumped off the shelf to me. So I thought I'd give it a shot. Uh, You sipping on anything interesting over there lately, Jeff? um
1: you know the yeah it was last
0: friday
1: no not last not last friday friday before um last friday of the year and a buddy of mine just invited me over to his place and we we're just sipping on blue moons uh and you know it was a good comfort beer it's uh you know it's not one of my go-to's but you know maybe but i'm not too picky so whatever's around i'll
0: drink it yeah for sure i I used to be a big fan of blue moon. Like back in college, that was like my luxury beer. You know, usually in college I was drinking like Miller high life or whatever garbage beer I could get my hand on. And then <laughs> when I wanted to have a nice beer, I would go somewhere I knew had blue moon on draft. And I, I always liked the story of it. Cause the guy who came up with it, um, you know, he brewed it with like the little bit of citrus and he would go around to the bars that had it on draft with like a bag of oranges and like slice it up for them. And, and demonstrate like how the orange slice would bring out the flavor of the wheat in in the beer. Uh, so I, I always like stories like that. Um, I believe they've changed their recipe a little bit, uh, since they first came around because it it became really popular and really commercialized. And that's, that's always what happens. You know, when a beer gets too big, you know, the quality of the ingredients has to go down just because you're producing so much of it so quickly. Um, you can't be as thorough, with uh, choosing your ingredients. But um, yeah, like you said, good comfort beer. Uh, it, you know, there's been a couple of imitators since like the Shock Tops and and things like that. Um, Seven Sun, which is in Dunedin, Florida here, they do a an orange beer. It's called Graffiti Orange. Another nice pun. Uh, it's an orange creamsicle beer. It's mm-hmm. actually really delicious. Um, I've, I've been drinking a lot of hazy IPAs as well. Jeff, um, I've been, uh, I've been searching for like the perfect hazy IPA. Uh, I've been really into the hazy IPAs because what they do is they, they up the citrus a little bit. Now you think citrus, you might think sweet, but you know, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know, I don't like sweet things. So what they do is they try to counter the bitterness of the hops in an IPA with the citrus. So what happens is, you know, the beer becomes a little hazy looking like a little cloudy. And uh, it actually has a smoother finish. So um, Voodoo Ranger does a hazy IPA that's by New Belgium Brewery. They make Fat Tire and things like that. And uh, Sierra Nevada does a hazy little thing, uh, which is another nice one. <laughs> so it's a uh, all all. All punny beers we're talking about for some reason. Um <laughs> but I I think that's one you'd enjoy, Jeff, the hazy little thing by Sierra Nevada. I know you're a Sierra Nevada fan. Uh you and I had the uh, the Sierra Nevada celebration while we were up in New York. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a nice uh strong seasonal beer. What were your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, dude, I enjoyed that. I, you know, I really enjoy the winter beers Um, and it wasn't too heavy, Bill. You know, usually those, those are like your stouts and stuff. They're Uh a little bit heavier. And while not being a stout, I thought that uh, that seasonal one um, from Sierra Nevada was, it was good. It wasn't as heavy as like a Sam Adams seasonal winter beer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sam Adams was always at like the forefront I consider them like the first real like craft brewery mm-hmm. in the country because it, it, you know, they were the first ones to really get popular with like the seasonal and Oktoberfest. And, you know, you had to look forward to a certain time of year to get the certain beers. Um, and they were really at the forefront of that. Um, I don't think I've had a Sam Adams in a long time though. Yeah. Me um, neither. I've actually been to that brewery up in Boston. That's they they do a nice job up there. Uh, you know they, they make a good beer, but there's just so many other options out there. You know it seems kind of boring to get a Sam Adams because they've been around forever. But um, you know may, maybe I got to give them another shot. Maybe I got to go pick up a uh, pick up a six pack Sam Adams, whatever seasonal they got out now. I picked up a lot of beer today because next weekend, Jeff, as you well know, my daughter turns one year old. So you know doing a little party at the house family um you were almost gonna make it down but you know things didn't line up but you know i'm, I'm sure you'll you'll uh, celebrate in your own way uh you know you've been a, a big part of ariana's life and uh yeah man it's fucking saturday i'll officially be a father for one year it's crazy it's um it's a wild thing to think about And, uh, I don't know. It really changes your perspective on life. Jeff, I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy, dude. I can't believe that it's been a whole year since you messaged me, say with a picture of you and the missus at the hospital and everything. And it's, it's been a wild ride, man. I'm sure you've been through so much, not just with the baby, but also in life in a year and and dude just it's it's a wild ride man
0: yeah it sure is you know i I know you've been through a lot in the past year plus um you know (laughs) we've been going back and forth with all the the major life milestones good and bad and um you know we're kicking off a new year here so uh New Year, same us, but <laughs> we'll see We'll see what other milestones are ahead. Any other MMA news or, like, beers you want to talk about or anything else you want to get off your chest uh, this evening, my friend?
1: Man, there was something that I wanted to add to the beer conversation, and I can't remember what it is. Um, whatever, it probably wasn't important. But, Bill, um, Ariana, you're going to listen to this someday. You're going to understand words. Uh, so <laughs> Uncle Jeff wants to wish you a very happy first birthday. I'm sorry. I can't be there um, But Uncle Jeff teaches and you know, not all of his kids are as smart as you are Ariana. So <laughs> 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 So I got a lot of work to do uh, So Ariana happy birthday bill congratulations on a year of being a dad Um And to everybody out there listening, thank you guys so much for for always giving us a listen, and Happy New Year Uh, if you're listening on uh, podcasts or uh, however you're listening to us, if you're watching YouTube. And uh, for all you NFL fans out there, I know that it is the wild card weekend. Don't care.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love the finish. Thank you for the kind words, Jeff. And if you want to get a hold of Jeff on social media or find out what that – You know, beer fact he wanted to contribute to the conversation was you can follow him on Twitter at animal underscore Wilson. Wherever you guys are listening, please uh, remember to subscribe and leave us a review. It definitely helps us out just a little bit. And you guys know how to get a hold of me it's at MMA on the rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, You know, we always like to hear what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. So please do get a hold of us until next time. And I don't know when that will be. But until then, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.